So you just memorized a Bible verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's pretty easy to remember. It's really hard to apply in every aspect of life. But we're going to try. We're going to try to dive into it a little bit today and um, learn a little bit more about it. Learn, what it, learn what it means to allow God's Word to be that path, be that light um, uh, to our path. And uh, I always think about um, what, what types of lights they may have had back in the day when David wrote this, when Solomon wrote this, whoever it was that wrote it. Who was it? 119? Does it say I don't know if we know. It doesn't really matter. It's an amazing passage of scripture. It was written in the same amount of time, or same approximate time frame. So, so what would he have used for a light? Do you think he had an LED flashlight that like projected way out there? You think he had that had those those halo projector headlights that they put, you know, full on full on halogen bulbs that they put in, in the headlights and just shine way out there? Probably not, right? What do you think they had? Probably a, a lamp, some sort of flame, right? And it may have had mirrors around it so that it projected maybe a little bit, but that's about it. God's word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's going to show us, probably not way out there, but it's going to show us right here, right where we need it. Doesn't always show the dangers that are going to come way off in advance, but oftentimes shows us right here in front of us. And um, I love that thought and love the, to think about that, and, um, and it's, a, it's a good thing. So we're in the middle of a series uh, in, in the book of Psalms, and we kind of got stuck in Psalms chapter 1. And please know that we are not going to do all 150 Psalms, and we are not going to take two weeks for each Psalm. We're just going to hit the greatest hits. We're just going to hit the ones that really kind of stand out. Psalms chapter 1 stands out. It's one of those that it's just kind of a, a start to the entire book. It's, and it's for a lot of us should be more than that. It should be a start to uh, great things that, that are in our lives. And so I want us to once again um, read this book or read this um, chapter in the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 1. Turn there with me. And um, find it in your Bible, find it on your app, find it wherever you're, uh, wherever you're at in your, uh, uh, you know, whether, it's, whether it's digital or whether it's paperback. Um, find Psalm chapter 1. I want you to turn with, with me. And I, I believe I'm reading now the NLT. So if you have a choice today, um, select the NLT and then you can follow along word for word. Psalm chapter 1. Who doesn't have it yet? Just kidding. I would, wouldn't ask you to raise your hand. Just, just kidding. Let's stand up and let's, let's look at this passage of scripture as I read it. Follow along. Let's be standing as we, as we read this verse. Psalm chapter 1 starts out, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. 
They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for for these words that are put in, in, in the Bible. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the guiding light that it is into our lives. And God, I pray that as we look at what it really means to follow your word, God, help us to be able to apply these things to our lives. Not just take it, not just think about it, but apply it to our lives. God bless with that today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So for those of you who weren't here last week or who who slept through last week's sermon, we're going to do a real quick recap of of what we covered last week. We have a tendency to lean uh, one way or the other. Some think that they only need the crowd and some, some think that they only need, well, it's just me and the Bible and we'll be fine. It's very important to realize that we need both. We need to hang out with the right crowd, but we also need God's word to guide us into all truth. And we, we, we wrote down this simple truth last week, and I want you to write it down again if you didn't get a chance to last week. Simple truth about spiritual growth. If I, if I am Velcroed to the Bible and to other Christians, I'll have what I need when I need it. If I'm Velcroed to the Bible and to other Christians, I'll have what I need when I need it. In a need-to-know moment or a need-to-grow moment, I'm going to have what I need. So we talked about the strength of the crowd last time. We talked about associating with everyone, but only hanging with those people who make us better. We can associate, we can hang around with everyone, but we really want to hang with those people who make us better. We inevitably become like those we hang with. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good morals, right? We talked about that last week. How can we tell if we're hanging around the bad, the bad too much? Well, we all have different tolerances. We all have different abilities to withstand. Some of us are like chameleons. We hang out with one particular crowd and we start acting like them. We become like them. We start doing exactly what they do. But for others of us, we're, we're very much our own person, and we don't have a tendency to become like them. We have to find our own tolerances. The three questions, or rather, I should say, the question we need to ask is where do we turn for advice and approval? The Bible is very clear about some that we should avoid. We talked about them last week. The angry turkey, the abuser turkey, and the rebel turkey. If you want to fly with eagles, you don't hang with turkeys, Right? The crowd has amazing strength. We have to be careful about that. But I also want us to understand that there is great strength in the compass. The compass has amazing power and amazing strength. Psalms chapter 1, we just read it. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditate on it, meditating on it day and night. I want us to see that a good heart with a bad compass will take you the wrong place every time. A good heart with a bad compass will take you the wrong place every time. Even if my motives are right, even if I have a positive outlook, even if I'm aiming for everything good all the time, if I have the wrong compass, I'm going to end up in the wrong place. The best of intentions with the wrong directions will always leave you in the wrong place. Don't ever trust your internal compass. 
most of us think that, you know, if we're, we aren't sure what to do and, you know, we should just trust our gut feeling. We say things like, well, it's, it's what felt right at the time. I, I, do, I did what I felt was right. I should be justified in that, right? Because I, I did what I thought was right. I had to be true to myself. Get ourselves in a great deal of trouble if we navigate this way. How many of you have punched in an address on your phone? Or maybe it was your computer. Maybe it was some sort of other app. Or maybe it was one of those. Does anybody still have one of those in their, in their car? They're called Tom Toms. Remember the Tom Tom? We used to have one of those. Have you ever punched in an address to that to somewhere and just completely trusted it and just said, "Okay, I'm just going. I'm just going to do whatever it tells me to do. I'm just going to go." You ever done it? Yeah. Has it ever taken you the wrong place? Yeah. Yes, it has. So, did your compass work that time or not? And eh, not so much. And eh, not so much. Same with our conscience. It's not always accurate. As Christians, sometimes we need to recalibrate, right? Recalculating, right? You need to sometimes recalculate. We need to sometimes recalibrate. How often do you think you should recalibrate? Every time you have the opportunity. Anytime the church is together, we should be recalibrating. Recalibrating, recalculating. Anytime we have a moment in time when we can focus and, 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 and meditate on God's word, we should do it. There's never a, well, you should read your Bible once a day. Why not 10 times a day? Is it more accurate if you, if you meditate on God's word 10 times instead of once? Yeah, clearly. Shouldn't be a limit. As Christians, we sometimes believe that, that we have the Holy Spirit within, which is true. But we think that with the Holy Spirit within, that we're going to be able to pick the right way every time. You know, you just trust that little angel on this shoulder. You got the devil over here telling you, oh yeah, you should just do that. You got the angel on this shoulder that's like, oh no, this is the right way to go. You know what? My angel has let me down multiple times. Led me down the wrong path multiple times. God's word is the only thing that can lead us down the right path. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, My conscience is clear. And that makes everything I do all right. Is that what your Bible says? No. Who's writing here to the Corinthian church? The Apostle Paul. Who was the Apostle Paul? Well, he's the writer of the Bible, right? Any of you written any Bible lately? No? Paul wrote scripture. And he is admitting to us, he is telling us, he is warning us with this passage of scripture. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. There we have it. Even as a Christian, if I'm making decisions based on my conscience, without first checking in with the compass of Scripture, I'm living very dangerously. Why? Because we have the ability to set our own conscience. 
we need to be constantly recalibrating our conscience by the compass of God's word. Most of us think, most of us think it's okay to, to calibrate our, our, our conscience based on, on those around us and on our own gut feeling. But that's not the case. That's why it's so important to surround ourselves by good people because they really do influence us. But God's word's the only true way. Proverbs twelve fifteen. look at this one. It says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again, because it leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter, it will end in heartbreak. Get what I'm saying here. You cannot trust your conscience. We can't live a life and then find a moral standard to match our life, right? It has to be the opposite of that. We have to find a moral standard and then live our lives by that moral standard. Many great thinkers and, and, and amazing writers and, and famous people in the world, the worldly wisdom. If you go back and read their biography or even an autobiography, you learn great things about them. I'm just going to give you an example, one example. Her name was Margaret. Well, yeah, I guess it was. was. Her name was Margaret Mead. You recognize the name? Anybody? She was a famous anthropologist who was American cultural anthropologist. She pioneered much of the feminist movement in America. When she died in 1978, she was considered the most famous anthropologist in the world. What's an anthropologist? We looked it up yesterday. What's an anthropologist? Do you remember? It's funny to think or to watch people's minds go. It's really just kind of the study of, Amer- of culture and how we came and how we are, what we are. And so that's what, that's what they study. She was known for the study of human sexuality, which supported the sexual revolution and ultimately some crazy promiscuity. She spent a short nine months on a Samoan island and did her research, then wrote Coming of Age in Samoa, which gained her popularity. It was an uninhibited free love the world was seeking, and Margaret, Margaret Mead gave them the, a so-called scientific excuse the free world was looking for, for their lifestyle. She toured the state's uh, college campuses. Um, she had speaking engagements. She, she led rallies to promote this free love. But if you study her life, begin to realize her research and her studies were directed by her choice of lifestyle. She'd had three recorded marriages with men, several romantic encounters with women. This is a classic case, though, where where a life, and in Margaret's case, her life created a moral standard, and she, she wrote about this standard that she had created for herself, which matched her life. You'll find this in many other cases. Many other famous writers and thinkers have this same story to tell. A good heart with a bad compass will take you the wrong place 
every time. Be careful. There's lots of them out there. Don't ever take my word for it. Don't ever follow me. Don't ever follow this church. It's the compass of God's word that should lead us in his direction. Back in Psalms 1, we find the answer to this difficult problem. It says, delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. What does this really mean? What does it mean to delight in the law of the Lord? Well, simply put, we need to want, we need to desire what the Lord God says. It doesn't mean I wake up with, with, without an alarm every morning because I'm so excited to read the Bible. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean I have a, a goofy grin on my face every time I read a Bible verse. It's a good thing because it doesn't happen all the time for me. This really is just a heart and mind that wants to know what God's word says. Delighting in the law of the Lord is about your desire to know what it says. It's about getting excited. It's not necessarily about getting excited about reading every day. Because if that were the case, it wouldn't happen. So it's this kind of this hidden treasure principle. Read Proverbs chapter 2 with me. Um, look at verse, starting in verse 3. I think it's on the screen. Cry out for insight, it says. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you may understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. There was a day when... um, when Matt told me that he had lost his ring. It was really cold. You know, it happens when your hands are cold. And your things get thin. And my fingers got thin. And I just, it slipped off my finger. I was working a case. I was working a, a car accident. And I was walking around in this ditch over here. And so we drove by it. And he showed me where it was. I'm like, I got this. So I went and rented a uh, detector, uh, a metal detector. And I went out there and I'm like, oh, I'll find this ring, no problem. I found a lot of stuff, found a lot of metal, but I did not find his ring, right? But I didn't give up. Like, you know what? We gotta, we gotta do something different about this. We gotta, we gotta do something different. So I don't even remember, did you come with me the second time? I think that's what it was. He came with me the second time. And with his help, he kind of walked through where he was and what he was doing. and. How, how, and we found it. We found his ring. It was like searching for hidden treasure. I did not give up after that first time. I knew it had to be there somewhere. So I kept looking. We kept looking. And we ended up and found it. Verse 9 says, Then you will understand what is right, just, and fair. And you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart. And knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. What happens when you search for hidden treasure? Some days you just don't find it. 
You ever been geocaching? Does anybody ever geo- does anybody in the room geocache besides me and our family? There's a few of us. A few of us idiots out there. It's a blast. It's like this huge worldwide treasure hunt. And you pull up this app on your phone and you hit you hit go to this geocache and it leads you down this path or down this gully or up this tree or whatever. And you try to find things. Sometimes in urban settings, sometimes out in the woods. And geocaching is super fun. But if we found every single geocache we searched for and it was easy, we wouldn't do it. It'd be boring. Like, stupid. Anybody can do this. There are still some that we have not found. And we have gone back to the same locations multiple times. And we have read about other people who have found them. And we have looked at their pictures. We've cheated and looked at their pictures while they took when they found the geocache, they, they sometimes take a picture. We've looked at them to try to find them. And there are still geocaches in this city, in this town, close by to our house that we have not found. Is it irritating? Yeah. Drives me nuts. There was one up by Walgreens that we searched for for years. <laughs> I mean, we went there five or six times before we actually found it. But you know what? We found it finally. There's one out by Red Robin. We still haven't found it. It's in the rocks somewhere out there by Red Robin. We have not found it yet. But that's what keeps us going back. Because sometimes you don't find it. We need to meditate and we need to search for it. We need to look for God's word. We need to desire it and want it like that. Are you going to find a hidden treasure? Are you going to have a Bible moment every time you open your Bible? No, you're not. Don't expect to. Sometimes you will. And sometimes it's great. Because man, those, those times are rewarding. And, and that's why we have these Bible moments. Because there are times when you want to share those Bible moments. We want to give you that opportunity. God wants us to search for his truth. Like we would search for hidden treasure. While you're looking. Keep obeying what you do understand. Because the things that you, that you can't find will will reveal themselves in time. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 33 says, Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. Mm-hmm. John talked about this verse a couple weeks ago. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person. By changing the way you think, then you'll be able to learn what God's will for you is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't get sucked into the thinking like the way the world does. Understand the compass is there. We just have to desire it, love it, want it. I can't know it if I don't take it in. I can't understand it if I don't want it, if I don't desire it. We have to delight in the law of the Lord. And third, what does it mean to meditate on it day and night? Here's the question you need to ask. How do I apply this? That's meditation. How do I apply God's word to my life? Constantly trying to figure out how to apply it to our lives. We don't just, we don't have to just read verses of scripture on, on Sunday mornings and just to, you know, just to fill our minds or just to memorize them. We do it so that we can apply 
these words. Joshua 1 8 says, says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you'll be able to what? Obey everything written in the Old Testament or in the, in, in the law. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. We run our decisions. We run our actions through a filter of God's word. We say, is, is this okay, God? And we dump it in to God's word. And we say, okay, well, what's this going what's, what's to come out of this? Is this decision going to work? Is this going to be according to God's will? Or is this just going to be what, what, what I want? We got to pour it in. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, There's nothing like the written word of God for showing us the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and is useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, and training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase, dumb taxes? I know that most taxes are dumb, but I'm talking about the, the dumb taxes that people pay. All of our experiences and much of our wisdom comes through paying dumb taxes. Are you getting me? Are you following me? Like, like I can either pay dumb taxes or I can learn from what other people have paid in dumb taxes. Does that make sense? People do stupid stuff. We can learn from their stupidity, right? And oftentimes we learn from our own stupidity. We try something. I call that dumb taxes. You're paying the dumb taxes. You're paying the dumb taxes. I can either pay the dumb taxes or I can watch somebody else pay the dumb taxes and then learn from it. Some people have the idea that they need to pay all the dumb taxes. We can't learn from other people. These are the kids that, that ask, I wonder what this button does as they push it, right? They're the people that buy lemons for cars. They're the people who, who buy into these stupid pyramid money-making schemes. If it's dumb, they've done it. They've paid the dumb taxes. I don't want to really hang out with people like that. I want to watch from a distance and watch what they do, but I don't want to be a part of that. We used to build ramps at, in, the, in the trailer park. And we had a milk crate that always sit on the porch. And we would use this milk crate. I don't think we got milk delivered in that crate. Well, we may have at one point or another. But the milk crate was always there. And so it was always a prop for our ramps. And we would ride our BMX ramps, our BMX bikes. If my kid tried to build a ramp like we used to build when I was a kid, I would not allow it. No way. Not, not going to do it. I've paid them dumb taxes, and I'm helping them out. So, but there was inevitably we would find, you know, and depending on the length of the piece of board you found is how steep the ramp was, right? Because the milk box never changed. It was always about like that. And so if you found a four-foot piece, it wasn't that bad. But sometimes there were a little bit shorter ones. And, and so you would always look for some dumb kid down the street to come try it out first. Come try it out. See if it works. And if it works, then we would all, you know, chime in and do it. Um, Greg paid the dumb tax more than once. But, um, but for the most part, we let some other little kid come down and um, do that. There was, a, there was a kid that used to live up the street from us or up the hill from us. 
they lived in this big, huge house at the top of the hill. And there was the elementary school and, and his house was kind of on the same level up there. And then the road came down in front of our houses and there was a couple other kids down there. There's this one kid, and I, I think his name was Andy. I'm not 100% sure about this, but this kid was the one that would try anything. If you created, uh, you got on the roof and said, oh yeah, I'm sure that pile of leaf will be just fine to, to catch you. He would be the one to jump. Um, I don't know where he is today. I'd really like to find him. I'd really like to know what he's doing. But I guarantee he went through some serious amounts of dumb taxes. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who lives the end of the age. They are some seemingly really good, wise people in the Bible that paid the dumb tax. We read, we meditate on God's word, and we learn from those who had to pay the dumb tax. Why, why did God write that stuff? Why did he write the failures of all of those people? Wouldn't it have been so much better if he would have just left it like they were heroes all the way through? Yo, uh, God, just uh, kind of leave that one out, would you? No, he didn't. He put it all in there so that we could learn it, so that we could follow it, so that we could learn from it. You ever notice how we learn from people's mistakes more than we learn from their victories? That's why he put it in there. Parents, be honest with your kids. They're going to learn more from your mistakes than they are from your victories. Share with them. 119.105, we sang it. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Learn from their dumb mistakes. <laughs> don't, uh, don't repeat. There's real strength in the compass. You see the strength in the compass. You see what we're supposed to do with it. Now let's talk about what it's going to produce within us. Real quick to end today. Psalms chapter 1. Uh, let's look at the last part of this, this chapter. Verses 3 through 6. It says, They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the same time, at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Call this the good life. The real life. The life that God wants to provide us. If we stay away from the wrong crowd and grounded with the good one and allow God's word, the compass, to be that, that guiding light, the guiding principle that we follow, what begins to play, take place? What begins to happen? Please understand that bad things happen to good people. But as a general rule, if we align ourselves with God's word, surround ourselves with the right crowd, the good life begins to take place. We're blessed at the right time. It says we are bare fruit at the right time. The, the, the fruit will ripen when it's supposed to ripen. We'll get blessed when we're supposed to get blessed. If you're a farmer, if you're a gardener, you watch your crops, you watch when to plant, and you watch what happens when, when certain types of, of crops ripen, right? If it ripens too soon, you're going to have a bad harvest. How many of you have ever bought a Walmart banana? Anybody bought a Walmart banana? 
Seriously, nobody buys Walmart bananas? Okay. How have you, have you noticed any difference between a Walmart banana and a banana that you buy somewhere else? Like Safeway, Albertsons, King Supers. Have you noticed? So I have noticed this week, <laughs> Carol brought some bananas home. I think it was over the, last, over the weekend. I think it's when you went, when did you get those bananas? But it doesn't matter. They showed up on the counter. They were looking really amazing. They're super good. I'm like, mm, those look really good. I don't want to eat them all, but I, because I, I, you know, there's six of us. There's only six bananas. I better only eat one. So wham, I ate one. Just downed it. Came back the next day. There was already brown stuff showing up on these bananas. Did you know why? Walmart gases their fruit. I found out that most grocery stores gas their fruit and their vegetables, but Walmart uses more. And those bananas are ripe when you pick them up, but because they have ripened them with this, it's called ethylene gas. It's a natural, natural gas. It's a natural gas. When a fruit ripens, it puts off this natural, and you guys probably all know this, but I learned this this week, so I'm sharing it with you. So if you want an avocado to ripen, you put a banana in there that's kind of getting a little ripe because it's putting off the right amount of or the right amount of ethylene gas to ripen that avocado. That avocado will get ripe quicker. But beware, because you you inundated it with its own with, with a bunch of ethylene gas that it probably will go overripe pretty quick because you put it in there. Okay? So word to the wise. Don't buy Walmart bananas. But it's interesting to me that if you ripen something some, so quicker than it's supposed to, that it gets bad quicker also, right? It happens the same way with, with us. I shouldn't say with us. Maybe I should say just with me. There are times when I know exactly the right thing to do. I don't have any doubts about it. I found it in God's word, and I know that it's the right thing to do. The question I have to ask myself is now the right time because with every piece of God's will that he gives to us there's not just a what but there's also a when it's all about his timing if we are following God's will if we are in God's will if we are using the the good crowd and the good compass to guide our lives we are going to be blessed at the right time our fruit is going to be ripe at the correct time. First Peter 5 verse 6 says, So humble yourselves among, uh, under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Relax. God's got this. God's will always has a what, but it also has a when. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 22 says, When the Lord your God forces those nations out of the land, who's, who's, what's going on here? Deuteronomy 7, what's happening here? Help me out. What's happening in Deuteronomy 7? What's taking place? The people of Israel are in conquest, right? They're taking over the land. They're going in and they're, they're taking over the land. What's taking place here in this verse? God says he will do a little bit ahead of you. It's interesting to me why he says he's doing a little bit because he's saying that the wild animals are going to be too, too, in too much number if he, if he destroys all the people all at once. Interesting. But you see how it's all in good time? 
if we're doing what God wants us to, it's gonna be, we're going to be blessed at the right time. The next phrase in this verse says that their leaves never wither. They have green leaves. We're able to survive the drought. Proverbs 10 verse 24 says, The fears of the wicked will be fulfilled. The hopes of the godly will be granted. When storms of life come, what happens to the wicked? They're whirled away. But the godly have a lasting foundation. You notice that the wicked and the the righteous were both hit by the same storm? But look what happens. Those who have foundation stick it out. They're not taken away. We can't think God has let us down when the storm hits. The, the drought comes to everyone. If you have your roots planted deep in the riverbank of God's everlasting river, you can't, you, you can't go wrong. You'll be able to withstand the drought. If you're Velcroed to God's word and to his church, you'll have what you need when you need it. Valleys don't always mean that you've made a wrong turn. Storms don't always mean that God's forgotten you. The ones that freak me out, though, the ones that I get myself into. I look in the mirror and I think, you know what? This problem I'm in right now, if I'm really honest, was brought about by my own mistake. Was brought about by my own sin. Those are the ones that are scary. Because you know what? They feel a lot more like discipline than just another storm. 1 Peter 1 Verse 6 says, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show up that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests purifies gold, through your, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong enough through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Survive the drought. Your leaves won't wither. And last but not least, we're going to receive a pattern of prosperity. Sometimes this one's hard to see. There are some people out there that have, are surrounded by the wrong crowd. They've got the wrong compass. And they own NFL football teams. They own a whole fleet of jets. Really? How is that possible? On the other hand, we have people that are following the right crowd, that are living according to God's will, but can barely survive on welfare. Explain that one. We have to let Scripture define Scripture. We can't take a coffee cup, a coffee cup, coffee cup Scripture without the qualifiers. For instance, we read that, that we are to help those in need, right? But then we have the qualifier. It says, if a man will not work, then let him not eat Hmm. where's a qualifier I can look back over my lifetime and say I've had a pretty good life it's a pattern of prosperity it was a pretty good run pretty young but it's a pretty good run but if you would have been listening to my prayer when we were having a church having church service in the park after getting kicked out of an amazing building We had just worked for three and a half years to build. You may have heard me say things like, God, where are you?
even a year ago this week, if you would have been listening, a mouse listening to my prayer, you would have wondered if I should be leading a congregation of believers. Don't think for a minute there hasn't been storms. Real battles taking place. But overall, a pattern of prosperity. Relatively, I'm still a young guy. I still probably am facing lots of storms ahead. You probably are too. But we know that we're going to get through them. We know that God's going to walk through those with us. We're going, to be, we're going to be winners in the end. We have the hope of heaven to look forward to. I've been blessed from having the right crowd and the right compass. But the storms, they don't go around me. They're right there. Proverbs 11 verse 6 says, The godliness of good people rescues them. The ambition of treacherous people trap them. When the wicked die, their hopes die with them, for they rely on their own feeble strength. The godly are rescued from trouble, and it falls on the wicked instead. Proverbs 13, 21 says, Disaster entraps sinners, but God-loyal people get a good life. Pattern of prosperity. Satan loves it when we get mad at God for not doing something that he never promised to do. Did you hear me? Satan loves it when we get mad at God for not doing something that God never promised he was going to do. It's one of Satan's favorite things to do. Reality is we live in a fallen world. They're going to be, they're going to be tough times. But no, your fruit's going to be ripe at just the right time. We're going to be blessed in God's time. Your leaves won't dry up. They're going to, they're, they're going to be green when there's a drought. You won't be blown away by the drought. You're going to make it through. And the best is when you look back, you can say, you know what? This life, it's been a pretty good life. Definitely a pattern of prosperity. The right crowd, the right compass. I think we can do something with that. I think we have some work to do on this. I do. There's some things that I need to tweak about the way I think about things. There's some actions that I need to change that that this message has revealed to me. God's message, your move. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to change? How are you going to become more in line with God's word? Are you honoring that great compass in your life? Maybe it's the crowd. Maybe you need to change who you're hanging out with. Maybe you need to hang out here more. Maybe you need to hang out with, with <coughs> godly people more often. Surround yourself with the right crowd. Align yourself with the right compass. And uh, great things will happen. It's the good life. Do we have another song? No? Okay. Guess what? We have another song. We have sing this song. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sing it with me nice and soft first. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light. Unto my path. Nice and soft, one more time. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now I want Vineyard two doors down to hear us. 
Sing it loud. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You said it. You sang it. Are you going to do it? Let it be the light for your path. Let it guide you. Understand what it means, what it says. And let it be that impact that helps you make those decisions of where to go, where to put your next step, how to respond when something happens. Hope there's been something we've shared today that can impact, bless your life. And um, it's been good to be with you. It's good to see you. I always used to say, more than all you beautiful people. But you're still beautiful. Just haven't said it lately. Okay. Good. We have a wild event at 4 o'clock. Ladies do. I heard somebody last week say that we're going to have a mom event. Men of ministry or something. It's going to be called mom event. That's a great idea. Danny, if you get run with that, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. People would be really confused and there might be some weird people showing up to our men's event, but it'd be worthwhile. So, wow event at uh, 4 o'clock today back here at the building. So, be aware of that. And um, next weekend uh, is hospitality night. Um, this week, we will not be having Wednesday evening service here. There will not be a service here on Wednesday night. So do not come and hang out with the good people. But hang out with good people at home, all right? Spend some time with your spouse. Spend some time loving on somebody. If you don't got a spouse, if there's, if there's nobody at home, Ron's spouse up and, you know, ditched him for Nebraska. What's could be better about Nebraska? But um, if there's not somebody around, find somebody to love on. Um, it's, it's your job to, uh, to look for that and find somebody to love on. And um, share some, some, some love with somebody. That'd be a good thing. All right. Any other uh, announcements or things we need to mention before we dismiss? All right. Let's be standing. We'll close in word of prayer. God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the guiding, uh, the, uh, guiding aspects of it. God, I pray that you allow us to to grab onto it, to hold onto it, and to allow it to change our lives. God, we want to be better. We want to be changed by your word. And God, allow us to, to dive into it enough, to pour ourselves into it enough, to be able to make decisions based on what we read, what we hear, and um, what we know. God, thank you so much for your word and what it does for us. Once again, help us to be changed by the things we've heard today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.